All right, well, that song at the top of the day gives you a hint at where we are going in this series. Um, it was a prayer asking God to give the writer the ability to see the world like God sees the world, to see the things that God sees, to give him the heart to love people like God loves them, to give him the, the care and compassion, to care and, and be compassionate towards people that God cares about and is compassionate for. Um, and so if you are new here, uh, you're in the first week of a series called Intentional Acts of Kindness. And we didn't title it Random Acts of Kindness because that's kind of how you typically say that phrase. Um, we titled it intentionally, Intentional Acts of Kindness, because we believe as followers of God, God calls us to intentionally love other people the way that he loves them, intentionally be kind to other people like God is kind to us. And when you look at God and you get to know God through Jesus, God's love is incredibly intentional, and it's the kind of love that the world desperate, desperately needs. So here's what I know. If we want to truly be all that God knows we can become, then that kind of love is the kind of love we have, need to have for other people. That is what the church is supposed to be, the light in the world full of people who are intentionally acting out the kindness and love of the God that we claim to follow. So that is what this series is all about. And I just have to tell you, we have a huge vision for this series in mobilizing our church to show God's love to this area. Um, we have an intentional acts of kindness campaign that I'm going to get to in a little bit. Um, and then we're gonna, I'm going to talk to you about a big dream and an opportunity that we have as a church to bless people that were hit by the hurricane a couple weeks ago. And we'll get to that at the end of the service. Um, we're going to start today talking about our eyes. Next week, we're going to talk about our hearts. In the third week, we're going to talk about our hands, and we're going to put all those together in this series, Intentional Acts of Kindness. So before we jump into the eyes part of the day, of this day, um, let me pray for us before we get going. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. Um, God, I thank you for the, the cooler weather and the bright sunshine and the opportunity to talk about what you ask of us as followers of yours and what you um, want the church to be. And Father, for those of us in the room that are on our spiritual journey, we're trying to figure out uh, you and trying to figure figure out how to live a, live a life that has you in it. God, I pray that you would just open our eyes to see this morning like you see. Um, and God, I pray that as you do that, that you, you would speak to each one of us individually exactly what we need to hear in your holy name. Amen. All right. So have you ever been looking for something only to discover that it was right in front of your face and you didn't see it. Anybody do that? Anybody ever ever um, take their glasses and put them up on their head and go, hey, anybody see my glasses? And you look around your house for five minutes. Anybody do that? Okay, more of you have done that. Don't lie. If you lie in church, you go to double hell, right? You don't want to do that. Um, all right, how about this one? Holding up your cell phone. Holding up your cell phone and going, and going hold on, I got to go. I got to go find my cell phone. Anybody ever do that? I've got a, I've got a buddy of mine. He's the co-chaplain with me for the magic. He's, he told me a story last week. He said he actually called his daughter. He's on the phone with his daughter, and he's going, he's going, baby, have you seen my cell phone? He's asking her, and she's like, come on, Dad, you're just joking. He's like, no, I need to find it. I can't find it. He's having that anxiety that you have when you can't find this. And he's like, just tell me, where'd you last see it? And she finally gets to the point, she's like, well, you're going to be mad when I tell you, and I'm going to tell you because you'll be more mad at me if I don't tell you. And he's like, well, come on, where is it? And she says, you're on it. And he goes, what? Oh, you know, he freaks out. He's like, oh, my gosh. And then he goes and has a little cry because he's kind of getting up in years, and he's thinking, I think my mind's going. But we've done that. Have you ever walked around with your keys in your hand looking for your keys? 
We've done that. How, how about this one? Have you ever been in the fridge looking for an item? It's like, where's the pickles? And you're moving the pickles out of the way to see the pickles in the back. Um, we all have these moments in our life where we are, we are lacking the observation skills to see what is right in front of our faces. And so here's what we did. We found a funny little video to just prove that you and I are probably not as observant as we think. So let's watch this together. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? Go! The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? How many of you did not see the dancing bear? <laughs> Most of the room did not see the dancing bear. Well, when something is right in front of us and we fail to see it, um, no, most of us, we think, no, no, I, I would notice things. I would see a dancing, a moonwalking bear coming through a video that I was watching, yet at the same time, we just don't. Uh, well, here's the interesting thing. Not only does that happen in small things in our life, like your phone or your keys or watching a video, um, it happens in big ways as well. It's, for instance, like, um, you know, when it turns out that, uh, that your one true love was your best friend that has been there all along um, and right in front of you. It's like every John Hughes 80s movie ever made was that plot, um, you know, or, or this one, it turns out you finally recognize the talent and the abilities that your company needs is actually they've been working for you for years. You've just overlooked them for a really long time. We do it in small things. We do it in, in bigger things. We just don't see them. And so let's stay on that same theme and talk about the things of God. Um, what happens when we overlook the things that God wants us to notice? Because we do it in both small and big ways. Um, maybe perhaps God is nudging you to, to look at a certain area of your life and he's challenging you to work on something, to, to work on, to give up your pride or, or, or to do some confessing to some people in your life or, or you have an anger thing or a pet sin and you're so busy um, that, that, and you're so focused on different things that you're unwilling or unable to pay attention to it and you just don't see it. Like God might be nudging you to do it, but you just don't see it. Or perhaps God is placing an opportunity in front of you and wants you to help someone or bless someone, but you're so busy or I'm so busy, we just can't see the opportunity or we just don't take the time to do anything about it. Or, or maybe God brings to mind somebody to you and, and he wants you, wants you to reach out to them or give them a text and, and, uh, and God places a name in your mind even. And you get the thought, you know, maybe I should, maybe I should call them or maybe I should reach out uh, to them. But you're so busy. You meant to, but you never did. Sometimes we miss the things that God wants us to see. Um, and now let's take that concept and just go a little bit deeper. What, what if God is challenging us and wants us to change our perception of an, of an entire people group or a certain issue? Uh, what if God wants you to... Uh, 
maybe behave differently or operate in a major category of your life differently? Um, what if he's asking you to do your whole marriage differently and, uh, and just saying, please, would you just do this my way? Or maybe he's asking you to parent your kids completely differently than you are. Maybe he's challenging you and asking you to do something completely different with your finances in the way that you manage that, but you aren't seeing it because your eyes aren't seeing what God sees. Your eyes aren't open to what he sees in your life that might need to change. And I just need to tell you, God wants us to see things the way that he sees them, with the same urgency, in the same um, opportunity, in the same unconditional love for other people. He wants to open our eyes. But so often, we spend our lives focused on our needs, our wants, our desires, our families, focused on our little small piece of the world that we overlook things that are important to God. And are important to our faith. And when we do that, I'll just tell you, we run the risk of, of going through this life and missing out on the things that seem important to God and also miss out on living a life of extreme significance and impact. We miss out of getting out of our own little world and discovering a new sense of satisfaction with our lives, a new sense of purpose for our lives, a new sense of blessing others, a new sense of life and mission Unless we're willing to open our eyes and see what God sees, both in our lives, but also around us in the lives of other people and around us in the world at large. There's this passage of scripture that I want to focus on today where Jesus tells a story um, that has this shock effect to his followers because they realize what they've overlooked as Jesus sheds light on it. And in this passage, Jesus was trying to explain about the kingdom of God. He was talking about what is to happen when we step from this life into the next life. And he says this in Matthew 25, verse 31. He says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with them, with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now, most scholars believe that Jesus here is talking about those who know him and those who don't know him. He's talking about salvation. Those who at the end of their lives still don't recognize Jesus as Lord compared to those who do. Verse 33, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, there's a couple of really eye-opening things that take place in this passage of Scripture. One, the disciples uh, were shocked when they get to heaven. They were shocked when they get to heaven. When the king says, you've done all these things to me, the people in the story are clueless. They're going, what are you talking about? How did we accomplish any of that? If you're sitting here, you might be thinking the same question. Well, you know what? You might be there someday thinking the same question. Well, when did, we, when did we do that for you? We never saw you on earth. We never saw you, God, on earth where we knew it was you so that we could help you. When did we act? When did we do something to, that you're listing here? And Jesus says, look, when you are on this earth, 
and you decide to reach out to the least of these, those who are hungry, those who are poor, those who are homeless, those who are sick, those who need clothes, anyone in need, and you do anything for any one of those people, you do it for me. It is as if you are doing it directly for me. When you do anything for the least of these, those who are overlooked by others, those who most of us don't see, because as we've learned, we miss things that are right in front of our face. And I'll just tell you, one of the things that God wants to do through this series for each one of us, one of his dreams for your life, if you choose to follow Jesus, is God wants to change the way you see the world. Even those of you that are following God right now, he wants to change the way you see the world. So that tomorrow, next week, next month, you see the world differently with the way you experience life. He wants you to see life in people through his eyes, through his lens of what the world's needs are. It's kind of like he wants you to put on God goggles, right? He's like, would you just put these on every day and see the world like I see it? Why? Because through that, he's inviting you and I to be Jesus with skin on. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but our calling is to be Jesus with skin on, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. If you ever hear somebody say, hey, we're to be the hands and feet of Jesus, that's what it's talking about. It's going back to this, um, this passage of scripture where we get to be Jesus on earth to this broken and hurting world, where we get to go and do things for people that are in need. And rather than seeing the needs of the world and going, God... You ought to do something like that about all these people with needs. I think God is going, I have. I've sent my church to go and do something about the needs of this world. I've sent my followers to go and do something about the needs in this world. I've sent you to go and do something about the needs of this world. And what you find so often is by taking care of the physical needs of people, oftentimes you earn the right to speak into their spiritual needs. The physical needs are the doorway to the spiritual needs. And I'll just tell you, we believe that so strongly here that it's built right into our mission statement. And I just want to take a couple minutes and talk about our mission statement with you. For those of you that are new, um, if you are a part of us or you are thinking about becoming a part of Kensington, this is our mission statement. This is what you're joining. It is to see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. To see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. Now, the word everyone is in brackets. It has a double meaning. It means to see everyone, but it also means to see every one, referring to those who are far from God, those who feel distant from God, to see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. And so this is the invitation. It's an invitation for those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for our sins and give us, gives us the power to do what we can't do on our own, to love others, and uh, to the motivation to love others. It's an invitation to do what, first and foremost? What are the first two words of that? You can leave that up. What are the first two words? That's the invitation. The beginning of the invitation is to see to see the world differently, to focus outward instead of inward. In fact, I was a part of the crew of people that came up with this mission statement a few years ago, and I believe the two most powerful words in it are these two, to see. Because it can mean a lot of different things. To see can mean to observe or, or witness, which is the goal. We want to see this happen with our own two eyes. We want to see people transformed and mobilized. To see can also mean to see to it to own the responsibility of this mission, to see to it that everyone is transformed and mobilized by Jesus, to see 
also means to open our eyes and see everyone who needs God. It's not just thinking, oh, that person will never go to church. Let's go this way. Oh, my neighbors, I've heard the way that they talk to their kids. I don't think they'd be interested in church. If you're my neighbor, you might think that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's to go through work and say, I can't, I can't talk to my boss about, about God because... I might not have a job if I do that. And so we just don't see the need. This, is, this whole mission statement is to see everyone, everyone that's far from God, everyone that's, that's home right now waiting for football to start, and that is the extent of their weekend excitement is, is football because that's what they're into. That is life to them, to see everyone that doesn't know that God has a plan for their life transformed by Jesus and then mobilized by him. That's the invitation that, that you have being a part of our church. And I believe that's the invitation that God gives to every single one of us as followers of his. And so here's the question. How can I live that way and be a part of that mission? There's only one way to truly start seeing people, things, and opportunities the way God does. And I'm going to tell you about that. But before I do, we're going to receive our offering. I'm going to give you the answer to that question. So ushers, if you guys can come down. We're going to take a moment right now. We're just going to receive our offering. For those of you that call Kensington home, thank you for giving to, to, to the mission that we're on, to this mission. Um, for those of you that give online, thank you. For those that are new or you're checking out the God thing, let the basket go by. We're not interested in your dollar. We're interested in, in you just receiving this gift of this service and finding the answers to the questions that you're asking and have been asking for, for maybe your entire life. Questions about God and who he is and, and what he might ask of you. So while we're doing that, the question is, how do I start seeing things, people, and opportunities the way that God does? Well, the first thing you do is you start asking God to help you see differently. In fact, I'm about to share with you two prayers that if you would commit to praying every day for the next month, I believe in a month, you'd come back to me and say, I just see things differently. I'm just, something's happening in my heart, in my mind, in the way I think that's just different than what it was a month ago. And it's praying these two prayers every day. God, help me to see those who others overlook. It's just that simple. Just God, help me to see those who others overlook. If you just woke up every day and said, God, today, before you even get out of bed, the moment your eyes open, your, your, your phone goes off, rather than grab your phone and look at it and check the news or whatever you do, just lay in bed and go, God, help me to see those who other people overlook. You'll see things differently in 30 days, drastically differently. And the second question that you can pray right after praying that one, is asking God to open your eyes, is God, help me to see how I can be a blessing today to the least of these. God, help me to see how I can be a blessing today to the least of these. See, the first one is about opening our eyes. The second one is about owning the, owning the responsibility of what you see when God opens your eyes. What might happen in your life over the next 30 days if you prayed this every morning? God, help me to see those who others overlook and help me to see how I can be a blessing to those that everyone's overlooking, to the least of these. Wouldn't it be incredible if we as a community began to show this kind of love and kindness to the people around the world? 
there are so many people to help and it can seem overwhelming, but you'll, I want you to notice something that, that Jesus said, and I don't want you to put it up on the screen yet, Tina. Um, don't put it up there yet. But in the verse, Matthew 25, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start it and you finish it. In the verse I read earlier, when Jesus says, truly I tell you, whatever you do for the least of these, right? Yeah, that's what everyone says, but there's a word in there that you missed that makes this actually doable. Go ahead and put it up, Tina. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you do for one of the least of these. Whatever you do for one of the least of these. See, so often when it comes to the needs of the world, we're overwhelmed. How could I possibly do anything? And when you look at what Jesus is actually saying, it's like whatever you did for one, you might not be able to help thousands of people, but you can help one. You can help one of the least of these. And it's not just the homeless or the sick or, or the addicts out in the world. It's anyone that's in need. And believe it or not, even in suburbia, there are people in need that are all around us. In fact, this reminds me of a series we did six years ago. It was called The Whole in Our Gospel, and the whole in the gospel is, is how we love God's word and we read God's word, uh, but it, it's about seeing the least of these. Rarely do we really get out and, and uncomfortably step into the unknown and help the least of these in our world. And so after the series, we challenge the people in our church to go out and show God's love to someone who otherwise um, may be overlooked. Well, there was this one woman, we got this incredible email from her, there was this one woman who felt like God was asking her to buy a grocery card and give it to somebody in her, her workplace. Now think about that for a second. You don't know their story. You really don't know them that well. But God says, go buy a, a grocery card and give it to her. And so this woman is nervous. She doesn't know how this lady is going to respond. But she sends her an email and says, says, hey, I have something for you. Can you meet me in the break room? They meet in the break room. And this lady takes a gift, this, this grocery card and says, I... I just need you to know I feel like God wants me to give this to you. And she gives her the grocery card. And as she's handing it over, the other woman just starts to bawl. So much so that the woman giving the card starts to cry, right? So you've got two women standing in the break room of their company, and they're just crying. And she said they kind of had this moment where they were both crying, and then someone walked in the break room, and they both go, and they both leave, right? So they never say a word to each other. It's just like, that's it. Well, they go sit down, and the woman that received the grocery card sends this email to the lady, and she says, this morning, I looked at my checking account, and there were $19, and I had been praying and asking God all morning, how am I going to buy groceries? And then you show up at lunch. I just want you to know you were an answer to prayer. See, so often we think, oh, we got to go find homeless people. That's who needs our help. We got to go find people that are sick and in the hospital and are on hospice. That's who we go and, and, and go to as Christians. And no, there are people all around us that I believe God, if we will allow him to open our eyes, will reveal to us exactly what their needs are. And oftentimes when God leads us to something like that, we have no idea what's at stake. When God nudges you to just do something small, you have no idea what God has in store when you and I engage in intentional acts of kindness. Not random ones, but intentional acts of kindness. There's a difference. Intentional acts of kindness start with being intentional about asking God what he wants you to do, who he wants you to bless. John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love 
one another. Scripture just tells us, hey, Jesus is saying this is the evidence that will be shown outwardly if you love one another, not the feeling of love emotionally. He's talking about love in action, a demonstrable love. So here's our truth for today. Love is fundamentally more action than emotion. Love is fundamentally more action than emotion. Love is a verb. Love is not defined by words. A lot more marriages would be actually saved. If people um, loved with actions instead of words. This is funny, but I love my wife, so I put the toilet seat down after I go. Why? Because she asked me to, and I love her. I love my kids, so I am an Uber driver for no charge all the time. Because I love my kids, my love results in action. I love them as much as I possibly could as a human. And it just results in the actions that go along with, with love because love is fundamentally more action than words. Now, I'm going to invite the band out. And in a few minutes, we're going to spend um, a little bit of time singing. But I want to just share with you a couple more verses. First John 3.17, this is where Scripture just gets practical. Scripture just gets meaningful, where John writes, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? What is he saying? If you love God, it moves you to action. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and in truth. With action and in truth. And I will just say this about the church. The church should be the greatest purveyor of intentional acts of kindness on earth. We should be the greatest purveyor of intentional acts of kindness on earth at all times. And where does that motivation and love come from? It comes from 1 John 4, 19. We love because why? Because he first loved us. Jesus first loved us. God first loved us. We love unconditionally because that's the way that God loves us. The overflow of the love that we receive flows out of us when we're full of it, when we're living in God's love, flows out of us onto those around us. Where do we get the strength and power to do that? From Jesus. It's just from Jesus. And this is where he gives supernatural power. If you pray that prayer, I'll just tell you, if you will for 30 days, just ask God to help you see those who others overlook and ask God to help you see how you could be a blessing to those that are overlooked. You'll begin to live your life differently because you'll sense the calling of God. You'll be intentionally kind. And let me just tell you, the kindness we're talking about is meeting needs in God's way and God's time. That's kindness, meeting needs in God's way and God's time through doing something.